All right, welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Clay Hepler. Uh, Clay is, uh, is a multifamily investor. He's an educator. He's a cash flow specialist. Uh, he's also the chief wealth strategist uh, at the Creative Capitalists, uh, where he helps entrepreneurs, real estate investors create, protect, and multiply their cash flow so they can keep and kind of amplify more of their hard-earned cash in any economy. Clay, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. I really, I will say this. I was attracted when I first became a listener of the show. Uh -huh. I was attracted by the name. Uh -huh. It's a very, I mean, obviously you're a tremendous marketer. It's a really, really good name. So I'm like, this, this has got to be a great show. So I started listening and it's a pleasure to be on. Well, well, thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I started the, uh, I called it that because I, was, uh, I used to be a cyclist. So breakaway was kind of like, and I think if you look at the, the logo, it's kind of like a cyclist breaking away from the pack and then, and then breaking away from you know, the rat race, which means basically the nine to five grind that a lot of people are on. So that was, uh, that was the inspiration between, uh, for, the, for the name. I love that. That's so great. 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 So Clay, you are a very interesting individual. I think uh, you have done so many, so many different things. And already, I mean, people are looking at you and they say, well, this is a young guy. How can he have done all of these things? This is impossible. But I think you're going to, you're going to tell us how you've done all these things and you're going to inspire a lot of our listeners on kind of be more entrepreneurial, how to kind of like see things a little bit differently when you're looking at your full-time job and then kind of like break away again, you know, break away from that into yeah. more entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, and when the, so tell us a little bit about kind of like a little bit of your life story and how you, uh, you managed to create, to do creative capitalists. Totally. And it's kind of as along the same vein as of breakaway uh, from the rat race. Um, I was on a conventional path, right? I was actually working for the U.S. Embassy in Buenos Aires in Argentina. So I was working to become a diplomat, you know, high, high ranking embassy representative, because I really love the idea of traveling and, and political relations. I was, I love political science. I love thinking about history and sort of the confluence of, of how, political science and history and economics all sort of intersect. And I was particularly uh, attracted to Latin America, Buenos Aires, because I did speak Spanish and Portuguese. So I do speak those two languages. My Portuguese is a little rust, rusty at this point, but I'm still totally fluent in Spanish. Um, so I was, <laughs> I was pretty much like, this is my path. And I got there, Eric, and, and it ended up being a, a, a disappointment. Oh, what yeah. happened was... I realized that I didn't want to put in 15, 20 years to get to what I wanted to get to, which really at that point, I didn't have sort of an, an understanding of why I had that image in my brain that I wanted to do that because there are, and we'll probably discuss this today. There's a ton of different ways to break away from the rat race, right? There, there are many different ways and different strategies and tactics that you can implement that can get you there faster, get you there in a different way. It's just like, there are many ways up a mountain, you can go up the west side, the south side, southwest. And, and that's what I realized, hey, I got to take some time off because there was 
I had to think about, hey, what's my career path? So I actually joined my family chocolate company, which you and I were talking about a little bit earlier. And the chocolate company was a luxury toffee company. And so basically what I did is I was calling people. I was cold calling. I was building marketing campaigns. I was really learning by cutting my teeth um, in, in the business, small business development world and, and building B2B relationships with specialty shops and, and thinking about strategic relationships in, in that respect. And when I was doing that, I, I learned a lot about um, business development. And I met a guy that was a successful real estate developer in a major metro area because he had specialty shops that basically his wife and him wanted to open up because they were retired. I mean, they were worth nine figures, like 150 million. So, you know, they were like, we love food. Let's just, <laughs> let's just start, especially that's like, okay, that's when you really have effort money. Right. Um, and so I, I, I built a relationship with this guy. It, it was just happenstance. One day I was calling into the, um, the specialty shop because I would call into these specialty shops and I got to him and he liked my tenacity. He liked the way I talked to him. And he said, you know, call me back in a month or whatever. And I called him back and he was extra free that time. And this was an older retired guy. Like he, he had, he had run the race, if you will. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't yeah. like, you know, trying to escape the rat race at this point. He was, yeah. He didn't really care. He had everything he needed. He, he just liked to talk, right? And it was it was very interesting. So he taught me about real estate investing, about small businesses, about tax strategies, about life insurance, just thinking very differently about finances. Because before that point, I'd read The Millionaire Next Door and all these books that they teach you, hey, you know, I'm getting into business now. I should start to read personal finance books, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, my worldview completely changed. So what happened was after that, uh, being in the family business, I scaled from two to 42 states in 18 months. We built relationships with celebrity chefs and large hotel chains. And we got on this online wholesale marketplace platform. And we really built, I learned a lot about strategic relationships. But mm -hmm. one of the most interesting things was, was that relationship <laughs> with that mentor. And so I I told my, the family business at this point, it was my, my mother. I said, Hey, I got to get out of this business. I want to go out and try to do my own thing. So I joined a firm recently retired. Um, <laughs> I joined a firm and helped scale their wholesale business to 75 deals in our first year. We did some multifamily stuff, some self-storage stuff all along the way though, I was obsessively reading, learning about how to build wealth. And I started buying my own properties I did the house hack thing and then I bought a three unit, a six unit, a single family luxury Airbnb. And I have 12 more units right now in escrow and just closed on another three unit um, that I'm burring. And, and that's sort of the real estate business. And then I have my own business and I'm sure we'll talk about this today. It's a creative capitalist. It's an educational company, very similar to um, break away from the, from the rat race. Uh, but we focus on helping real estate investors make their savings work harder for them by just, flowing their capital in a little bit of a different vehicle. And this is the same vehicle that I learned from my mentor. So I know that was a lot. I can yep. tend to you know, talk a lot, but I hope that, that, you know, that gave the listeners and you a little bit of an idea about where I came from. Yeah, absolutely. And so, <clears throat> I mean, you already had an advantage too. I mean, you we basically came from a family that was already business. They already had a business. They knew about business. I mean, a lot of people that they don't even have that chance uh, and, um, so, I mean, so this is great, but even then, I mean, I think, you know, you talk, I, my parents didn't know anything about, about businesses. They thought that the, everybody that's in business was a, a cheat and a right. crook and all of that, because they didn't understand how, how things were working. And, uh, and I, and I met a mentor and that was my rich dad, poor dad moment. But I think for you, it was more like a, a richer dad 
<laughs> for that moment. I think it was kind of like, uh, because when you met that mentor, I mean, he had like significantly, you know, he was very, very wealthy. And this is a different game at that point. There's a whole game about getting to financial freedom. And then once you get there, then it's it's kind of another another level, another kind of, of strategies that you have to implement uh, to you know to invest your money and stuff like that. So it's very it's very different. And uh, so the fact that you met with that that richer kind of uh, that richer dad uh, to uh, and talk about that, talk about these strategies, I think that's uh, so that that's a couple of things that maybe that your your richer dad kind of like. Um, taught you about about that world of investing after you've you've basically accomplished you don't need to worry about money what do you do then well um let me just sort of preface this um my family lost everything in 2008 oh so, sorry about that uh <laughs> our, our home was foreclosed on oh. um we literally lost everything so you know people will look at business people and say oh my gosh they're so successful and most small business owners barely make forty thousand fifty thousand dollars a year so i came into this business it wasn't at that point very industrious um, my parents were still recovering from 2008 it wiped them out we had to sell our house i mean we had to rent a, a much smaller place it was it was a pretty tough financial oh, yeah. situation so I just want to preface that so that people don't think <laughs> okay, I'm coming okay. from a total silver spoon that like, yeah. you know, uh, it could, it, it probably seemed like that, but no, my parent, I, I mean, we literally lost everything in 2008. So I, I saw the bad side of leverage, but let's talk about um, what I really learned from this guy. And, and, and actually I'm writing this down in all sort of all the lessons that I learned from my mentor. Um, one of the core lessons was the mindset shift. It's very nuanced, but someone who is incredibly wealthy that's in that nine figure range or trying to get there they think about opportunities in a very different way a lot of your listeners are in w2 opportunities and their income is capped by the amount of value that they can create because they might be in a very linear role maybe you're just an engineer that can just do engineers you know engineering drawings or whatever engineers do in a specific plant power plant yeah. But if you were the owner of the company, your leverage ability, the ability for you to create more value through um, employing other people or getting other contracts is much larger. So one of the biggest things that he taught me about was instead of focusing on chasing money, which it really is a short term equation, it's more about focusing on building value, focusing on value and how you approach the world from a business perspective. And then, and then with value creation as the, the sort of orientation, then you add a leverage to that. So Naval Ravikant, which is a famous Silicon Valley uh, entrepreneur, uh, angel investor, talks about leverage in four, in sort of four buckets. The first bucket is capital leverage, which is what got Warren Buffett rich using other people's money. It's what real estate investors like you and I, um, you know, we employ using banks money, then there's people leverage, you know, having the, the people on your team, that's the contractors. And then there's media and code. What you're doing right now is you're getting your name out there. I see your social media, Eric. I mean, you're posting all the time and, and you have a ton of followers that's leverage. And so he said, focusing on value creation with leverage is the key to building wealth quickly. And if you're in a W2 role, you really can't align unless you're in a sales role or some sort of like entrepreneurial role in which you're compensated on the 
um, production of the, the company itself, you can't really build that wealth. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if you have any questions related to that. I can keep going. No, I, think, I think this is a, this is an incredible uh, piece of information. This is absolutely uh, amazing. And this is true. I mean, when you're in, um, in a W2 role, uh, you know, you're kind of stuck by the number of hours that you can do. You're paid per hour, whether it's a salaried position and stuff like that, you know, like you mentioned an engineer, it's like you're paid per hours, you know, period. I mean, you can work more hours. You're not going to get paid more. Uh, you, uh, but that's kind of how it is. You may have a bonus and stuff like that, but this is uh, pretty much it. Right. And so, you need, yeah, you know, go ahead. Go. I mean, um, I, I can talk about it. So after mindset, it's sort of like focusing on abundance, mm -hmm. focusing on expansion, focusing on value creation, and then employing leverage. And then next is getting your finances right. Yeah, what yeah. does that look like? Well, you know, success leaves clues. People that are people that are wealthier use certain strategies. In in a, in the financial strategies, they employ very sophisticated tax strategies. That's why we love real estate, estate yeah. planning strategies. Um, wealthy people, I learned, put a, a, their savings in life insurance because it's tax protected, a tax advantage, asset protected. Um, it continues to compound. Uh, we, I, I actually help people set up these policies and you can use your money in multiple different ways. Mm -hmm. it's, it's basically like building your own bank. And mm -hmm. that's the second thing. So you got to get your finances right. You got to make sure that you're not paying too many fees, interest to other people. Maybe it's for a credit card, renegotiate those fees, investment fees, fees from banks and insurance coverage. Are you getting over coverage? You know, this is all sort of nuanced stuff and you can talk yeah. to your insurance guy because I'm not really the person to talk about insurance with related to that, like casually. The last thing is the vehicle. Now, this is kind of the most important part. So we're talking, the first level is get your mindset right. You're right here. The second level is get the two feet around you, right? Like get those finances aligned and, and towards your goal. And the third thing is focusing on outward. How do you get the vehicle right? You and I both love real estate. I mean, real estate is creating more millionaires for the average Joe in America than anything yeah. else. I mean, yeah. Small businesses, um, other in, producing other income streams, focusing on optimizing for equity and getting in the right vehicle is so important. It doesn't matter if you make $100,000 a year and your raise goes up four, five, 6% per year, even if it's 6%, you're not going to beat inflation. You're going to get crushed with taxes. You're not going to be able to break away from the rat race if you do that. So those are the, the sort of three core things that I learned from him. Wow. Yeah, that's absolutely, you know, very, very valuable. This is, uh, this is very, this is great. So I hope that everybody's taking notes. I hope on this one. I know I am. Um, so, I mean, and this is true. I mean, this is, uh, I, I really like the, the, especially the value, value creation, focusing on the value creation, focusing on the leverage to basically amplify and magnify your, uh, your, your power, your, your energy, your money and all of that and your time. Uh, and then, um, so, yeah, so this, this is all very good. And then you mentioned getting finance right and being in the right vehicle. So this is, uh, this is very, very good. And there, and I, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say they're all, they're all sort of aligned. And I mm -hmm. think it's particularly important for your listeners to understand that um, the reason why these are sequential like this is because you, you need to, the first and most important thing, if you're a great salesperson, if you're a great operator, if you're a great anything, you actually stop, you actually stop focusing on yourself 
and you start focusing outward, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a good salesperson, you focus on your client's needs. If you're a good operator in terms of a COO, you focus on how is, what does the business need? If you're a good inventor, you focus on what does the economy need, right? And so that's why, that's why he taught me about value creation, because value creation manifests in your daily activities. It doesn't have to be like you inventing the next greatest thing. It's mm -hmm. literally a, a, a way of being that yeah. you're focusing on exterior. How can I serve this person? How can I lead this person mm -hmm. down the right path? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why you can produce so much more wealth in your life because of it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. And then for, for me too, like I, I kind of always thinking in terms of kind of like what problems can I solve? What problems can I solve for other people? Uh, I mean, this is one of the reasons why we started that tokenized real estate fund, where we basically put a real estate fund on the blockchain and where people can buy like a, a, a piece of a portfolio of real estate rentals for as little as $50. We created that because we saw problems. We saw that people could not uh, do certain things. So we were focused, like you mentioned, like outwards, thinking about how can we help these people that can't get into a single family rental or something like that. And that's how that, that fund was created. So, uh, so uh, yeah, you should. Uh, so this is very good. I, I have a feeling that you're going to put that in a book. I mean, this is, uh, <laughs> is that, am I right or not? Is well, this your, guy, this guy can read out? minds. He's doing, a, he's doing the blockchain and he can read minds. This is, he's a special guy. You're right. So, I, so uh, I'm going to be talking about this in the book and, and the yeah. book is not, I mean, it's not anything fancy. It's, it's a, it's an ebook that really goes, drills down in, and what I hope that the audience can gather from that is that they can employ small little tactics mm -hmm. every single day that can get them closer to financial freedom. Because when you get your mindset right, your finances right, and the vehicle right, mm -hmm. it's it, 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 building wealth is a given. It's mm -hmm. it, it, There's still so much opportunity to build wealth. And you just got to put those, stack those on top of each other. And the, the faster you stack them on top of each other and the more intensely you you put your focus on each one, the faster you'll get to wealth, guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, uh, so I really like it. So then that book is called Pillars of Wealth Creation, I believe. And we talked about it earlier, but uh, I, so that's, this is fantastic. And then we'll put the link in the, uh, in the comments here if it's ready. Uh, otherwise we can, uh, you can probably check out the Creative Capitalist and get, get the book this way. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm really looking forward to that. I will definitely uh, read that book, I think. Uh, uh, you, what you've shared with that really piqued my interest and something that I think everybody should know about. So that's great. Uh, so you're obviously, you're clearly a great, uh, a great educator. I think you, you, uh, you are really communicating very well, these concepts and, you know, you have, uh, you've organized these, these, that information like very well. And is this something that you're doing with, uh, with creative capitalists? Is that what, what that company does? Yeah. So um, we implement this in a sort of background manner, right? Mm -hmm. I, I believe that focusing on a single need is more important than not doing a bunch of needs mm -hmm. but like well, right? So what we do is we focus on the financial portion of it. We do it. There is, there is a, a portion of mindset coaching uh, and vehicle coaching specifically related to real estate in the Creative Capitalist podcast, which is the one sort of educational arm of, of the firm. Mm -hmm. But at its core, what we do is we help real estate investors that make over $100,000 a year. We help them put their savings in places 
that allow their savings to work harder for them. This is the same strategy, the same tactic that I was taught by my mentor. What exactly is this? We help them build a bank with specifically designed life insurance. And all you're doing when you set up something like that is you're getting 400 to 600 times the national average savings, right? Tax-free. And you can use that money as a collateral, just like you use a line of credit on a piece of equity of real estate. You can use that money at any time you want. There's a tremendous amount of liquidity. It is your own bank. You define the repayment terms. You define the terms that you take the, the, the money out at, and it allows your money to work for you in two places. So not only are you getting the tremendous interest 400 to 600 times the national average in a tax-free way, Eric, but you're also able to leverage your money in two ways by putting a loan out on your policy that doesn't interrupt the compounding of that money. Now, what does that do? Every time that you take your money out, if you put your money in a conventional savings account. Every time that you take your money out of that conventional savings account, there's an opportunity cost to that. Because what the opportunity cost is, is the potential for that money to continue to compound, albeit small at the 1% or 0.01% or whatever um, savings accounts are giving now to compound for the rest of your life. When you put your money in a life insurance contract like this, that money never stops compounding. So you're going to allow your money to work harder for you. Every single dollar that you put in there is going to work at that four to 6% for the rest of your life. And that's the, the power of putting your money through one of these life insurance contracts. And this is the, the I, I just mentioned, this is what my mentor taught me. They're different. They're just different places to put your capital. Number one, we, we emphasize putting it in the right vehicle right? It has mm -hmm. to be in the right vehicle. But in conjunction with this life insurance policy, your ability to get to financial freedom is amplified. I mean, I went from negative net worth uh, 20 months ago to over $4 million of real estate owned by using this specific strategy mm -hmm. with Burr investing. And that's, that's how I did it. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I just teach you what allowed me to do that at 25. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that some of these strategies that with the life insurance is kind of, um, I mean, so you, you, your vehicle, let's say is I want to invest in a single family rental and that single family rental, uh, costs like a hundred, hundred thousand dollars. Right. Right. And it's cash flowing and all of that. So I have, I can take my hundred thousand dollars and then buy that single family rental, let's say directly. I can, um, you know, I can also go to a bank or whatnot, but I can also, instead of putting it directly on the single family rental, I can put it in an insurance policy that has a cash value. You have to have a certain cash value for that. I can put my $100,000 as a single premium in that life insurance policy, and then I would be able to borrow from that a certain percentage, maybe not uh, $100,000, maybe three quarters of that, and then I could invest that that money into the single family rental. So that would do a couple of, that would amplify my savings a couple of different ways. One of them is that I still have, I have life insurance now that I didn't have before and that's paid for. I have a, uh, I have the, uh, my single family rental and that I'm using the mortgage or that life insurance loan on. And then I'm paying 
the interest tax-free into my insurance and so that's that's compounding that that part of it i pay less taxes I, it's tax deductible on one hand but it goes into my tax-free pocket on the other hand is that kind of like the the gist of kind of like that, that system you just a pass-through right exactly exactly mm -hmm. it's think about uh, your life insurance policy as your opportunity fund that's going to allow your savings to work harder for you without any volatility there are mm -hmm. guarantees a guaranteed rate of return and it's guaranteed never to go down and at any point you can take out a loan uh, there's no there's no dock fees there's no points there's no underwriting fees you literally can call the life insurance company up and you have total access and total liquidity of that money which allows you in a cash crunch or when you have a really great opportunity to to jump on it you know and and that's one of the the as we see with interest rates rising right now, the credit, the credit markets are, are freezing up. People are getting scared. If you have one of these life insurance policies, they're, they're, the life insurance company will lend, lend you your money. You're completely entitled to it. Yeah. So that, that's exactly why this is the, one of the tools that the Rockefellers, the Romneys, the Rothschilds, the wealthiest families in America have used as a storage place for their capital because of the tax-free growth, because of the ability for your money to work in two places, as you explained earlier, yeah. because of the fact that there's a tax-free death benefit to your heirs. So you can pass on your, um, you know, tax-free millions of dollars to, mm -hmm. to the next generation. So they're set up to succeed. So there's a lot of different reasons why this is an incredibly attractive place to rest your capital, especially for a real estate investor. Uh, so the other question I have, sorry, I thought you were in the middle. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> so, uh, so, so one of the issues that I have with this, uh, the insurance is that you're kind of, you know, you can't get, I can't get like $10 million. I think it's a good strategy. It's one of the tools that you can use, but I can't, I can't go and get like 10 million or a hundred million dollars in life insurance. Uh, can I, I think yes. this, they would allow you to do that. Well, it depends on your income level, but there's oh, a yeah. guy, there's a guy that, um, you know, there's a famous Silicon Valley uh, billionaire that got like a $243 million life insurance policy a couple of years ago. So you can really get a, a, an unlimited, there's no maximum premium. Yeah. You, it, it just, that they underwrite you for a yearly premium of 30 to 35% of your total uh, gross yearly cash flow. So mm -hmm. you can't like, if you're making a hundred grand, you can't put in a hundred grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, the, the, in other words, you can put in. There's no maximum contribution. It's not like a like a qualified retirement um, account, Eric, in which you have like you can't go over a certain amount, or you can only put a certain amount in. Hmm. You can put as in many in as you want. And there hmm. are many and there are many occasions in which someone might sell a business or someone might sell some real estate, and they have a ton of liquid cash. Although their yearly income doesn't allow for a specific type of or a specific amount of life insurance, we can mm -hmm. set up these plans that we can customize the amount that they can put in for the first couple of years and they pay up the whole policy so mm -hmm. that for the rest of their life, they can leverage it. I mean, there's this is an infinitely customizable um, mm -hmm. banking system that allows you to sort of take back control over your cash while enjoying a very high um, rate of return mm -hmm. for your savings. 
Yeah, and I think it's so. Yeah, so there is a little bit of a cap in terms of depending on how much cash you're you're making. So obviously exactly. you have you have to generate some income in order to to go and increase that uh, that insurance policy and the cash value. But yeah, it's pretty much limitless as long as you're making the money uh, on the way up. And right. hopefully that's what people are doing. They're kind of like taking that, uh, putting the money in, cashing, uh, getting a loan on that insurance policy, and then going on there and investing it at a higher return than what they're paying. Um, it's also a good way, I think, for uh, or what do you think about using that strategy in order to pay down debt to get out of, uh, of debt? Is that a good strategy? Yeah, I, I think you kind of stole the show there. Um, ah, sorry. I <laughs> know <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's great. It's, it's a really it is a good place. You can use it to finance uh, cars. You can use it to to um, pay to off student loans. I've seen people put money in a policy like this and then take a um, take a loan out against their their savings and pay off their loans. Basically what that allows you to do is recapture all the interest that you would have paid to a financing institution to yourself by mm -hmm. putting your money into the life insurance policy first. And it's the same exact thing with a car. You can negotiate a lower rate because you can say, I'm gonna come in with cash. And number two, you just set up the payment schedule as if you had a actual loan out on it while your money is working for you. So the reason why we can use this to buy real estate, we, why we can use this to buy cars, why we can use this to finance weddings or other large capital purchases is because even though we are taking a loan out, and this is very hard for people to understand, that even yeah. though we're taking a loan out, our money is still working harder for us in the policy. So the gains that we experience in the policy are much greater than the interest that we pay. Mm -hmm. So we always, we always, in almost every circumstance, I don't like to say absolutes because yeah. I don't believe in absolutes, but in almost every circumstance, you will win by using this to finance cars, to finance um, your down payments, to um, buy large other large capital purchases. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because your money is is growing on an insurance policy. It's not just growing because of the investment aspect of it, the, the strict rate of return. There's also a, a death uh, kind of component, or, or I should say a survival <laughs> You know, because other it's, people that have not survived, uh, yeah, right. that means that it's really increasing your your side of, uh, of of the benefits as well, right? So in in terms of growth, and then that's why it's a little bit higher than the interest rate that you would pay on, on your loan typically. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. And and here's a really interesting concept, Eric, that that um, your listeners might not be fully aware of. There is a tremendous difference between compounding and amortizing interest. Now, the difference mm -hmm. between those two things, and then I'll get into why this is important, is compounding interest is the accrual of interest uninterrupted um, over time. So, you know, you everyone's has seen the greatest power in the universe, the compound interest curve, that after a certain amount of time, your money just keeps growing, growing, growing. Um, and compounding is truly one of the most powerful things that we can leverage in our life, time plus um, wealth building. But amortizing interest is the opposite. Amortizing interest is us paying in interest and uh, principal to pay down. So even if we had a similar interest rate, say we take out, we have $100,000 or $90,000 policy, say we just take out $90,000, right? Our compounding, even if we have a lower interest rate, this is this doesn't 
barely ever happens. But if there's a lower interest rate credited on your account, say it's 4% and you have a loan at 5%, because you are paying the amortizing, in, the amortizing loan down and the other loan is compounding, the yeah. amount of interest that is accrued is much greater, even though there is a, there is a lower interest rate. Mm-hmm. Because the volume of interest that is attributed to yeah. the compounding account versus the amortizing account is over over long periods of time, decades, is double, triple, quadruple. And I can show you this if I show if I show you an example, or if you just like look at the difference of amortizing versus compounding interest on Google. Yeah, yeah. Put a calculation yeah because when you're together. amortizing, basically the amount the interest is calculated on a smaller and smaller principle over time. And the, the compounding is the principle that you're paying, you're uh, getting interest on is increasing over time. So that's, that's the big difference. One of them amplifies and the other one kind of like diminishes over time. You're paying, yeah, you're getting more and more of your principle, paying more of your principle when you're amortizing your loan. So yeah, I mean, that's, this is absolutely true. So even though it's 4% on both sides, uh, it's, you know, it's, you're going to make, uh, it's going to make a, a different, much more difference in terms of the returns because this one is going to go this way, and then the value of the other one is going to go down over time. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. So this is the, this is very very helpful. So I really I really like that. I also like the fact that uh, we we have especially now we have a lot of money that's kind of like sitting around, or maybe not everybody, but just sitting around there because. People are uncertain about oh, what's going to happen with the economy, what's going to happen with, with this. And then a lot of people are sitting on cash instead of investing it. Um, so this could be a good way to kind of like make use of that, of that money, putting it in a safe place. And then you can easily uh, withdraw from it or like borrow from it um, in order to, uh, yeah, if you need some expenses, you need some, uh, you need to buy a new car or whatever. Or a boat, um, you can you can use it for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boat. Uh, yeah. Well, make sure yeah. you got some real estate properties before you. Buy oh that yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> income producing asset. You definitely want income producing assets. Right, right. Uh, so what happened uh, at death? Let's say something happened at, uh, and then they they pass away, and then they have this uh, insurance policy, and then they have this uh, this loan that's associated with with that policy. What happens then? That's a great question. Yep. So the death benefit is. Uh, a certain amount, say it's $2 million and you die and you have an outstanding loan of $200,000. That's just um, subtracted from your total death benefit. So the the amount that will be distributed to your heirs will be uh, 1.8 mil. Mm -hmm. So there, you know, there's no free lunch. I mean, if, if you didn't get hit because you have an outstanding loan, like would never one when they get sick just take millions of dollars of loan out and yeah. and say hey I'll, I you know I'll, I'll have my cake and eat it too, so um, that that's if you have an outstanding loan it goes against the the death benefit every time. Yeah, but there's no, in no situation would you ever have the death benefit not able to cover the loan associated with that insurance. So the loan is always always much lower than the death benefit. Um, yeah, well, there, I mean, there are instances, I, I guess I can say this, that, you know, you, you're almost no case, let me just say that, almost, there, there, there's like, there's only one case that I could see it happening, 
Okay. I, I, you know, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very, uh, no, I like, that. I, like I know, that. Yeah. I know everything yeah. about this. So it, life insurance contracts, the majority of them endow at a certain age. Okay. So if you're, if, you know, most of them are like endowing at like 115 or 121 at this age is this point because mortality is going up further and mm -hmm. further. I don't know if this is even possible, but say you live to 100, you live past 121 and you had, you took a policy loan for your, your whole cash value balance and like live to like a hundred, like 130. Yeah. Your policy could technically lapse. Yeah. It's pretty like, rare. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I don't know if it's ever happened there. I think it's but pretty rare. Saying, I don't think anybody just, has lived that far. Yeah. I don't but. think anyone's <laughs> lived to 121. And so you're yeah. good. Um, I think, yeah, you're pretty good. I think in that case, I think you can, yeah, you can, Decide it will never happen, in other words, unless you're <laughs> you're very healthy. But I like I like how you think. It's just like, well, there is a possibility. <laughs> yeah, right. There could there, it could happen. Technically, all right. Yeah, but I think in most cases, I think that you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the cases, the death benefit is significantly higher than uh, is higher than the cash value, and then your loan is based on the cash value. So this, you know, this norm normally the the death benefit is going to pay for the. Um, you know, for the loan without any problem. So your your descendant are not going to be stuck with a huge loan that they have to pay. The death benefit will pay for that. Exactly. So, exactly. And if you die young, they'll be even happier because they'll have a, a huge death benefit with nothing outstanding. Well, I don't know about happier. <laughs> right. right. Depend, depending if you're a good guy or a bad guy. Or yeah, guy. exactly. Exactly. Um, right. <laughs> All right. Well, Clay, so that was very informative. Anything else you want to uh, to mention as we before we wrap up? No, and uh, I mean, God, I would just say this. Listen to the listeners here. Um, this is a really, really effective way for you where where you should put your savings. Most of my client, all of my clients are real estate investors, and that's because I am a real estate investor. Now, people, there are a lot of people that are out there talking about these strategies that don't actually implement them in their own life. And I think it's very important to be very um, investigative when trying to speak with someone about setting up one of these policies, because this is a permanent whole life insurance policy, which means the person with whom you are working will be around, maybe at arm's length for the majority of your life. So you want to have an advisor with whom you can trust and with whom practices what they preach. I always tell my clients, this is a big decision. Mm -hmm. just like skydiving would you ever want to go skydiving with someone as an instructor that's never gone skydiving mm -hmm. i wouldn't do that i wouldn't mm -hmm. and so I, I think it's really important this sounds like the magic pill um as described by you and i uh, it's a tremendous way to to bolster your savings way yep. higher than your your um savings account but you got to make sure that with the person with whom you work is equipped to set it up in a way that's going to optimize for you as the client and mm -hmm. not optimize for them as the agent. Yeah. No, very good. Excellent. Well, thank you, Clay. It was a pleasure speaking with you again. Go to uh, your website is called creative capitalist, creative dash capitalist.com. Oh, okay. Creative creative dash capitalist.com. Uh, so yeah, you can connect with Clay there and soon he will have his book uh, pillars of wealth creation. Uh, and he gave us a quick glimpse of uh, what uh, we can expect in there. And I can't wait to, uh, to read it. So Tlay, thank you very much.
Uh, Absolutely, Eric. Thank, thank you very much. And I appreciate you again having me on. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martell. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes. 